Bianca Basalio smacks home a game-winning goal from 15 metres in the final seconds for Romania, delivering a big old dose of handball cosmic karma if you're a Poland fan. Alina Greisels and Emily Bulk share their thoughts on Germany's victory over Netherlands, another one that turned the tables in Group 2. We take a look at five of the top contenders for the semi-finals and talking about what they need to do to reach the semi-finals and perhaps gold. We speak to Francis Gras Zadi ahead of Sunday's big showdown against Montenegro and we try to record the opening bit three times over the course of 10 hours, all in the latest Uninformed Handball Hour. Take three. Take three. Take three, yes. We've uh, tried this two times already and this is the third time. Hopefully this one will work. Well, yesterday was one of the most memorable days you could have at an EHF Euro. We had Germany, the team that none of us put down as medal contenders, suddenly putting in a medal contending performance against the Netherlands, beating them 36-28, shocking everybody and destroying our, all of our predictions in the process. And then we had Romania, which is which is going to be a highlight for many, many years to come, that final goal from way out with three seconds to go, winning 28-27 over Spain. Now that you've had time to sleep on it, Chris, how do you reflect on those two games? (laughs) (laughs) Unexpected time to sleep on it. Well, that that 15-meter goal, the Thunder Bastard from Bianca Basalu is uh, still fresh in the memory. And what a way to finish it. The Polish fans must have really been enjoying that, like a real slice of handball karma the cosmic justice was really served last night if you're Polish uh, looking at that game and uh, Spain yeah they did what they needed to get two points into the main round but they couldn't add two more and great for Romania there was a, a really mature performance from both teams coming into the main round with zero points I don't know if that lifts a bit of the pressure for them uh, for Romania, generally in the, in the recent years in the main round, they haven't been able to, to do anything, whether it's World Championship or European Championship. But this uh, this definitely gives them some kind of outside hope and like you know finishing top eight or, or top six and trying to get an Olympic qualification place. There's uh, there's life in the old dog left. Yes, and that group now is has turned into an absolutely fascinating group with France and Montenegro. Maybe thinking that maybe a tie isn't so bad uh, after all, putting them both nicely ahead of everybody else. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but it's just throwing it all wide open, and I'm not sure what the best result between France and Montenegro would be for the neutrals. Uh, probably one one team winning, uh, maybe a team like France winning, and then that throws it wide open. Then makes it really a, a five way race for one spot in the semi final. It definitely uh, probably adds a bit of nerves to the game, that's for sure. I don't think anyone, like the two teams as well, would have been expecting it to be, uh, <laughs> to have so many teams breathing down their neck after, uh, before they even play a game in the main round. But yeah, it's uh, kind of shocking stuff in the end. The Netherlands as well, losing to Germany very heavily. And you, I mean, you're, you're speaking to um, Alina Greisels and Emily Bulk, which we'll play in just a minute after the game they looked a little bit lost on court I mean you were down there courtside for most of the game what uh, what was your impression being there um, well it seemed I mean I think the German team coming from Pogorica had a pretty t- a pretty tough time in terms of they weren't happy with how they were playing and just nothing seemed to click for them but it did seem like probably like a fresh start when they came to Skopje psychologically and they came here new city new goals and did really look like a, a new team. It's incredible to think of the performance that they put in against Spain in the first half and then they come and do that against the Netherlands in the first half and then their second half of performance was was even better and the Netherlands looked stressed, looked like they were chasing it and then and uh, Germany were just able to capitalise and uh, they really have a, a group of some really uh, 
kind of tough characters. And like Zena Smith's Emily Emily Burlick and um, Alina Greisels are just there's no let up with them. And so then I spoke to Alina Greisels and Emily Burlick, who combined scored twelve goals on the on the evening. Alina with eight, and uh, Emily with f- with four. They gave their thoughts on the match and everything in the lead up to it. I told you before the game that you were going to beat the Netherlands by that much, but you believe me. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was a hard game. We know of our chance, of course, uh, against the Netherlands, and we have nothing to lose. So that was a good point for us. And I think, yeah, in the attack, we was good. We make uh, some easy goals that help us to come in the game. And, uh, yeah, I think it was a development from the um, female round. And, yeah, we are happy about two points. What was your plan coming into it, and did that did, were you able to to make that plan or a realization, or was it what you expected, or what what, what was your pre- preparation for the game? Yeah, we know that we have a good one against one players, and that uh, the Netherlands um, yeah play a little bit different uh, different than Spain, so it was better for us, and uh, yeah, we know that we uh, use the easy goals. It was important for us, and yeah, we make it. So you said about the, poor, the kind of poorish start you had to the Euro, and now you have this unbelievable performance. That must feel like great momentum now going into the next games. Yeah, of course we uh, want to play the next games also like this. Of course it is like this, and uh, yeah, we was not satisfied with our performance uh, before. So yeah, we want to play more like this, uh, like today. I know you know your coach pretty well. What's he going to say to you when you go into the dressing room? What kind of what kind of guy is he after games like this? He will say we play good. <laughs> we have to play like this every game and uh, with uh, yeah with our heart and uh, that is nothing over and that we have the chance also in the main round and uh, yeah we use it. So some dreaming of the semi-final maybe. <laughs> no, um, I think we watch from game to game now. It came France and France is not like uh, yeah, going through and we beat them. So uh, yeah, we focus and we use the three days. Of of regeneration and then we look what can happen against France. Best of luck, thank you. Thank you. We recorded a podcast before this ah, yeah. and uh, we didn't include you in the <laughs> in the semi-final chat and we're very sorry for that but now I think we might have to after a performance like that. <clears throat> uh, thank you so much, yes. Um, that's the handball we want to play like we showed today so it was uh, yeah, a big relief I think for all of us that we showed what we are able to perform on the field and I hope that we can continue like this yeah. I think it was obviously a very hard time for you collectively mentally with the performances you had in Pagarice but now a new city a big performance like that I think it's going to be totally different from here on out I hope so, I hope so, yes. And of course we plan differently. It's really hard to come in the, the main round with zero points. Um, and we had really a hard time in the, in the yeah, pre-round. Um, yes, it was really tough matches, a lot of uh, fighting. And today we could really play the ball and wait until the chance and everybody really attacked the goal. So it was, I think, harder for the defense, well, for, for the Netherlands. And I hope that we continue like this. It was a great team performance. And um, yeah, we have two more tough matches ahead. We will see what we can do there. And France obviously had a lot of a tougher time against the Netherlands than obviously you did today. You'll probably take a bit of confidence from that as well. Um, yes, I hope that we can take the, the good feeling from today. Now we have some rest days to, yeah, I hope to get the full energy back. And then, of course, France is one of the best teams in the world. So we're going to be uh, yeah, have a really tough match there. And they, um, of course, focus on the semi-finals and the medals. But yes, we want to be a strong opponent against them. And of course, we if we want to have any chance in the tournament, we we need all the points we can we can get. So we're going to fight. And um, yeah, let's see what, what these uh, two matches will bring. And from your perspective, what's the, what's the thing that France does really, really well? I think they have the greatest uh, defense uh, combined with the goalkeepers, of course, um, really experienced players. Um, and of course, they, they like every tournament they play for the medal, so they are really experienced also on this level and um, be calm and um, are very, uh, yeah, 
valuable in attack also. So they have great one against one players. They have uh, like a great overview um, on the field, uh, good back players also. So um, yeah, you cannot say there's uh, some weak points, but um, yeah, I think if we can play like today, really as a team and uh, share the tasks, then you have always a chance. And of course you have three days off now. I think had you lost this today, going into those three days off, it would have been a lot more gloomy. But now you're going to have a spring of your step with that important performance like that. So what's the plan for those three days now? Will it be a lot of rest and recuperation or will it be straight back to the training court? Or what's the plan? I think um, now it's finally time also to uh, really rest. I think uh, tomorrow will be like... Uh, 100% recovery. I don't know exactly the schedule yet, but maybe also having a real power training again to come back to the strength and um, yeah, a lot of uh, physio and massage hours, I think. Um, and then, of course, we will also go on the field and prepare for the last two matches because we have also the late Tuesday match and then the early Wednesday match. It's uh, not even 20 hours, I think, uh, between these two matches. So we really need to prepare for both opponents and um, be on 100% to to, to yeah, be on this level like today. Would you be allowed one beer tonight or is that impossible? <laughs> uh, let's see, I'm not a fan of beer, but uh, I think the coaches will have, yes. Okay. Good answer. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Best of luck. All right, that's Germany. And as Brian said, we recorded a bit before that game and didn't include Germany in the, the running. In fact, the two games that happened on Friday night kind of uh, spoiled everything we had planned. We tried to be smart for the first time ever and uh, record a more general podcast uh, beforehand. We tried to play the system a bit like Spain did. Spain got their asses bit a couple of days later. And the same happened to us almost immediately afterwards as Romania and Germany plunged themselves into title contention. So we're reshaping the uh, bit we recorded uh, for part two. Now, welcome to the new part one of the teams that could get a medal at the Women's EHF Euro 2022. And let's say some of the more obvious teams, five teams that are in very good positions to qualify for the semifinals. Uh, we had a chat about them and the uh, what they need to do between now and the semifinals to get there and what they need to push them over the line to win a gold. We are a few games into the main round and things are starting to get interesting. There's going to be a lot of big games coming up. But we thought for this podcast, we'd approach in a slightly different way. Because at this stage, we kind of know what teams are going for medals. You know, the teams that are emerging that are going to really challenge for those semifinal places and more. So we decided to deep dive into some of these teams and understand what they have to do more of, what they have to do less of. Or do they just keep going to get a medal? So so at this stage of a championship, it's usually relatively clear um, who the big favorites are. We probably could have picked a few of them out uh, before the tournament. Not much has changed. But the interesting part is we've seen these teams in action for three or four games already. And a few kinks have showed up. Um, maybe a few surprises showed up. So, you know. Montenegro are probably exceeding a lot of expectations. Are Slovenia a medal contender? But maybe we won't focus on them yet. Uh, we'll go through team by team and see what they really need to change to get a medal. And I want you to also think a bit bigger than that. Each team we go through, I'm going to go and say, you know, what this team needs to do to get a medal, that's one level. And what this team needs to do to get a gold medal if there's anything any of these teams do. So have a think of that. Uh, I, I can start. Who are you going to start with? So the team to start with um, is quite easy. Uh, Norway, don't change anything. <laughs> <laughs> you really you really, you really, really stacked the deck, didn't you, in, the, in your favor for this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> so okay, Chris, no, you're next. I do have some uh, <laughs> Uh, as we kind of we've talked about it a little bit, it's it's hard to ju judge Norway mm. at the moment because they've had a fairly easy run uh, through the preliminary round. You know, we saw Croatia, who kind of stood a bit of a challenge against them. They they lost fairly easily to Slovenia, so it kind of puts into perspective that the strength of that group. Although Hungary, Hungary did uh, almost 
almost pull out a win against uh, Denmark, but in, in classic style. Uh, they bought it <laughs> as always. So, uh, <laughs> uh, for me, uh, there's a couple of things to look out for. I think for Norway as they start to start that gauntlet in the main round against Denmark, Sweden, and Slovenia. Um, and the main thing for me is their depth at right back. So, this team, like the Norwegian team, has always been famous for its depth they have two players for every position that's just it's given they can put anyone in but i think there's it's a little bit thin at right back and of course it's Nora Merck there who um time and time again has showed up at tournaments dragged teams to finals to medals that's that's for sure uh, but so far in the tournament she on, has only had eight shots from open play uh scoring five of them across three games uh, she has 15 assists on top of that. But uh, we, they, I think we'll need to see a lot more from her as we get into the, you know, the crux, into the tight games. And, you know, we know that Nuremberg is this heart of a champion, but she's kind of a lot of injuries, uh, she, uh, maybe catching up with her. You know, uh, is, it, is it something to worry about? What do you guys think? I don't think so. I think with Nora Merck, she's a player who just came back into full fitness before the championship. So she's kind of been, you know, she she went out pretty hard at the start, start of the championship, but I still think she's maybe holding something in reserve or being tactically held back in reserve. And uh, I had a chance to have a quick chat with Daniel Hoagland, a friend of the show, a man who's featured in our opening audio bed. Uh, he's commentating for Via Play in Norway, and he said the big thing he's worried about so far is that the the starting team, uh, the best team in defense, is not the best team in attack. So they're instead of having to rotate so many players in and out, they're trying to find solutions in there. And one of those is is putting uh, a, is related to Stina Skogrant, who has been a bit of an unheralded. A champion for Norway in recent years. She's played a big part in in Euro victories in recent years. And she is that second choice right back. She's the best defender on that right-hand side of the court. And so she's kind of being tucked away in the right wing in attack. Um, where maybe there is a time where Nora Merck should just be given a bit of a, a break or maybe pushed out to the right wing. And uh, Stina Skograd could play both ways in at right back in attack and number two on the right-hand side in defense. So... That could be a solution there. Yeah, uh, again, with Norway, it's always difficult to, to find a weakness. But looking at the other positions, um, you know, uh, at left back, at playmaker, they have stars on stars. Uh, as a line player may have been um, something to um, worry about with Dali missing. But again, uh, Vildingstad had, has had an incredible tournament so far. So I still think... Um, you know, Nora can turn it on, but I think there's a lot of pressure on her to be extremely consistent at the very high level that she always performs. I'm not doubting her that she's not going to be good, but I think she needs to be excellent as always. And so far, she she has taken it relatively easy. Most of her goals come from uh, the seven meter line uh, as good spreading the play as well 15 assists so that will keep coming but as defenses get better as the teams they start facing uh improve and you know for norway when we're talking about what they need to get a medal i'm talking about what they need to get a gold medal here and if the defenses start you know dropping a little bit back on her challenging her to shoot or break through uh she has to step up to it and she is capable of it that that's for sure, but right now um, we haven't seen that's too much in the tournament, and that's just going to have to ramp up. The good thing for them, and uh, something that I've been a little bit worried, and we we talked about that was the the strength and depth not really being shown yet. But when looking at the uh, the amount of minutes that the team has played so far, only four players have played over a hundred minutes of a potential. Uh, 180 minutes so maybe even if the the strength and depth is not really there those that need to be there at the end of the championship are being 
given enough protection early on so they're not uh, not being overused at this early stage so maybe they will just end up using eight or nine players in the semi-final and final uh, and that'll be enough for them but let's let's move on maybe from norway's a is a classic contender uh they're going to be there and thereabouts let's see if the, let's see as they progress through the main round i think we'll we'll know a lot more who who wants to go next and bring up a team that what they need to do to get a medal let's, let's see their opponents in the final france <laughs> <laughs> all right france yes <laughs> um again i mean it when we decided which teams we were going to go for doing this it was like i got france and i was thinking Similar to what Alex was saying, yeah, just keep on going. Things th- so far so good. I was thinking about the games which I've seen, and I do think there are maybe one or two areas which I think which could be. I'll maybe start with the good stuff first. I think the stuff that they've they've done um, they've done really well. Of course, the goalkeeper position before the tournament was a big uh, question mark, but maybe mostly the second position goalkeeper, the the sub goalkeeper, with Cleopatra Dalo taking the main role. Uh, there um and she's been really really incredible so far and particularly against the dutch she gave them massive confidence with her saves and the points which she made the saves it always kind of felt like there this is a this is close but it's really really in control here and their ability to be able to weather pressure like that from a team like the dutch who were really really up for it um, was a huge positive takeaway from that. So defensively, goalkeepers and their ability to absorb pressure are things which they should continue to keep on uh, fostering. A player like Paletta Fopa, I think, is a great player who can really like turn the screw at certain moments in the game because there's a few points in, in different games where I felt like, oh, this is getting tight now. She'd get the ball on the line, just absolutely turn and send the defender flying and net, and net a goal like and she could be that key player um if they are going to win, go on and win gold she could be one which people maybe didn't think of at the first point because everyone thinking of Enzimenko or Darlo or whoever else but she could be really quintessential in them winning gold if they do win gold I, in, in my opinion um I remember there was a point just before the second end of the first half against the Dutch where she scored I think two quick goals and it was just so key in the tone of the whole match and I've seen her do that a few times already at this um, at this tournament, so she could be good. Um, I think where you probably then look at the imperfections maybe would be the wing position or wings position. There, when you would think of back to other events with France playing, you think of someone like uh, Chloe Val- Valentini, who would often go three quarters of the competition on one hundred percent, and this time out maybe doesn't look. It looks like she's maybe lacking a bit of confidence, maybe second guessing herself when it when it comes to shooting, and her shooting percentage isn't isn't great. Or Granier, who had a terrible performance against uh, Macedonia, I think hit the keeper's face more times than she hit the back of the net. Uh, so that's that that is a position I think where people, some French fans especially, are thinking maybe that's where we, that's that's probably our chink in the armor is our indecisiveness maybe from from uh, wing positions. Someone like Ocean, Cersean Ugala is I think she's a she's a bit of a mixed bag because one minute you're looking at her and you're thinking, oh she's got a goal out of nowhere and the next minute she just makes an absolutely terrible decision or she loses the ball or she'll throw it out over the sideline or something like that. So she's just kind of like I'm not really sure where to sit on her and the team because one if you came into the game for 10 minutes you think oh she's great you leave you go again he goes oh she's a great player and you come in back someone else comes in 10 minutes later watches her thinking how does she even get in the French team uh, so she's a bit all, all over the map she would need to I think kind of become a little bit more consistent if she wants to first of all get the minutes she would like to get and second of all I think France would need her to to be more consistent if they want to get that gold medal so that that would be my basically pluses and negatives of this French team. But so for them to get a so for them to get a gold medal, which one would you say is the what what's the most important thing and you know we're talking about for them to beat Norway, what's the most important thing that they need to do to uh to get that gold medal? 
I think I think the backcourt has looked really really good, um, and I think they've kind of made up for a lot of the maybe indecisiveness from the wing position. So I think the wings would be the big one because if the wings are on fire, backcourt looks good, and then you're four pound on the line. I think that's a that's a killer team there. I have a slightly flip view on that. I think you you mentioned that the backcourt has looked good, and they they have absolutely they're shooting really well, um, but I think they need even better performances from their stars so from Enzaminko, Grassati, um even Kanor um these players need to raise it to just a level above and you know you spoke to Enzaminko uh, the other day and she was shut down by the Netherlands she was frustrated that she couldn't quite get her one-on-one game going uh and in a sense if that continues to happen the the weakness on the wings and you know the other weakened positions may be a taken advantage of but if she can really kind of step up and just destroy people one to one as we see her doing many many times and do that continually that could be the the difference maker here i mean yeah, i think she was shut down but i think she didn't kind of really hurt the team in any way like i think she was four from four from that game still so it's not like she was launching balls all over the place so like the fact, despite the fact she would play like poorly and didn't really get maybe her one-on-one game off, she doesn't really, I think, harm the team. So up hitting around ninety percent in efficiency, I think you can't really, I think you can't really blame her. It's pretty remarkable that she's the only player on the team who has scored more than ten goals so far. So France have yeah. fifteen different goal scorers in, from the preliminary round. Uh, she's the only one who's scored more than 10 and they've spread the the load out really well I wonder if that has a little bit to do with of course a whole championship and and keeping players fresh but also if we remember back to the world championship final last year and where they tried all these different combinations in the backcourt when they were, the game was getting away from them if they were like okay actually we can't afford to focus on two or three players to get us over the line. We need all of these players getting enough game time so they can all be ready for the the semifinals and the finals because that has also been a... In the successful championships for France, it's always been their ability to completely rotate a team out, uh, rotate the bench after 15 minutes and still be fine. And maybe that's what they're trying to get back to. Uh, so they don't need just the stars to raise their game, but they're going to beat teams by having the most well-rounded uh, team and based on the defensive strength but we'll see we will okay so i've made my points on what i think what france can do better and what they do really well but i did have a chance to sit down with an engine in this french team grasse she took some time out to talk to me for a few minutes during their media call so here's our conversation so thank you for taking the time oh someone's up with <laughs> Euh, elle est repartie dans le... T'as tué notre interview, là oh. T'as tué notre interview, c'est enregistré. Oh, merde. <rire> <rire> Who's that uh, Un physical coach. Is he, uh, is he a good one Yeah. yeah. Oui. Well, you're officially recording us. <rire> <rire> so you've had a pretty good start to the Euro. And I think you guys have joked about in the past that at certain events you maybe are slow starters. Yeah. Was there a different approach this time, or is that something conscious you did, or you just hit the ground running this time? Honestly, I hate to say that, but it's the truth that uh, usually we, yes, we are slow starters, and now um, I don't think that we we had a different approach of uh, the competition. I think. Uh, I don't really know. I was also a little bit surprised because I didn't expect us at, at this level, at this moment, so early, you know, in, comp- in the competition. But I'm happy and proud because we, we show also some um, strong things and uh, we have a good base, I think, in our way to play. But um, we, didn't, we didn't have uh, a specific approach. I think we enter in this competition like we used to what was different. Honestly, I don't know. You have a very, I think it's fair to say, a very deep squad. You have a lot of players who can come off the bench. Is, has there been like a, a plan to kind of use or rotate a lot of the players off the bench right now and keep certain players back for later or is that something that you're not told? <laughs> yes, we, we speak about this because uh, 
In the past, we had not a bad experience, but uh, we made some mistake. Mm. Uh, I remember a few competitions where we used some player a lot, and at the end, when we arrived in the final um, uh, games, they were exhausted and couldn't give uh, at the most important mm. moment. And uh, we have a very strong and deep squad. Everybody can play, and it's very important to rotate like uh, like we actually do, because uh, first point is um, that uh, we we keep we everybody will be in the rhythm. Mm -hmm. Everybody will is ready to play every time, and this is very important to have. Um, to have the full squad uh, focus every time. And, uh, and of course, uh, for example, me, I rotate a lot, uh, speci specifically in defense, and uh, I have more energy. I feel that I'm not tired like I could be, for example, like uh, last um, um, competition in the World Championship. So um, I think it's, uh, it's uh, something that we want to follow because we know that it's important. Mm. So you, you notice personally a big difference between this Euro and maybe other events. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. In comparison with the World Championship, I remember that when I arrived in the semi-final, I was already tired because mm. I played a, a lot. We had uh, we had a difficult games uh, in the in the first round, and I played a lot in attack and in defense. And I was uh, not disappointed, but uh, when I wanted to give more to my team. Even in the final against Norway, I couldn't because I was exhausted. And uh, I can feel the difference. When I speak with the girls, I, I say that, okay, now I, I feel good. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I, don't, I don't feel this um, body tiredness. For the moment, I'm, I'm okay, yeah. Mm. And did you watch the games last night? So the Germany, Netherlands and Romania Romania, yeah, Spain. Spain. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we watch the game every time when there is handball games. Yeah. We uh, we watch it together and uh, crazy night. Crazy. Crazy night. Like when you see games like that, I mean, I think nobody expected those results. Everyone would have almost picked the opposite yeah. results. Um, is that good for the used in the group? Because now you might look at the Montenegro game and think, okay, if we win now, we're we're really putting our foot now in the semi final, or is it? chaos that you don't like to see sometimes <laughs> <laughs> um, you know before this uh, yesterday's night <clears throat> sorry we knew that uh, Montenegro will be like a, a crucial crucial game for us for the um, for the next of the competition and uh, I see this game like a eighth final mm. like an eighth final to say how much is important to to to, to win against them and they, for them also it's the same, so it will be um, a tough game, I know that. And I know that everything can happen because uh, before I feel that difference was, um, was very big between some teams, but now I feel that everybody can beat everybody every time. Mm. And um, this makes um, the tournament more, I think, um, exciting, but uh, also it shows how strong we should be. Um, to win every game because it's very difficult to keep mm. this rhythm. It's very difficult because all teams are different, but there are some positive things, some skills, and um, if you are not ready, you know that you can lose. So they obviously played at home for the preliminary round and then coming here. And I think some of those images coming from from the fans there have been some of the best images so far. I mean, I was getting goosebumps watching videos mm. and I wasn't even in the arena. Yeah. Um, and you've played obviously home tournaments as well. Mm. What do you think that group, and you may, obviously you can't answer for them, but you could maybe give me an idea, them coming from having had that experience, then coming here, not playing at home, and I'm sure they'll have fans with them, mm. but it won't be quite the same thing. Do you think that maybe psycho or psychologically that will make a bit of an effect on them? I don't know if it will make a big effect on them, but it would be different, mm. I think. And, uh, and I remember when we played the European Championship at home, <clears throat> we took a lot of energy from the for the public, from the fans. And uh, I know some Montenegrin players and I know how they, 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 they work and I know how they are. And uh, for them to play home in the country, it pushed, uh, pushed them a lot to win those games. 
now it will be a little bit different even if they have fans you know who comes um and it would be important for us also to put some high tempo from um, from the beginning to not let them um, come with this uh, energy because I know they will have fans who will come. Montenegro is not far from uh, mm. Macedonia, and yes, they they probably can give you you know uh, the answer. But I think it uh, it will be different for them. Yeah, I, I think they have had the opposite. <clears throat> what you've done, I mean, you've been rotating a lot and you've. Yeah. purposely said oh, we're not, we want to keep people fresh for the end and I think they've only had have eight players who've scored yeah. so they've had the opposite thing so it's hard to say whether that's going to affect them right now but you'd imagine it's a hard thing to keep going only playing with eight players yeah. isn't it hmm. I think um, they have like as three days to uh, to rest mm -hmm. so they can uh, they can rebuild some things they can uh, have also good recovery like we we actually do Um, but um, for example, as you said, it's the opposite that the way how we functioned here, and um, and um, and yes, if for example we we arrive to um, to um, to disturb those players who used to play when they will rotate, it will be oh for example a, a player who come from the bench uh, will do everything and will surprise us. Or oh, this player will be lost because this player doesn't use to play and um, and uh, for us also it will be very important because uh, we need to um, to make them fail mm. uh, because they use also to uh, to play together and this can be also a strength a strength yeah. for them where French national team used to rotate and um, and some relationship are not so perfect but um, I hope um, I hope we uh, we have the good um, the good uh, the good pattern of these things yeah we were talking on the podcast with my other two colleagues about all the teams that could go and and uh, win gold at this euro and what they need to do in terms of what they're doing well and what they maybe could be doing better and for teams like yourselves in norway it was very hard to find weaknesses for from my perspective looking in but maybe you could give me a bit of an insight is there anything that you think as a team you could be doing a little bit better yeah but you can't tell me Because the other team is, <laughs> is that it, or is there stuff you could mention that you think maybe okay we could be doing a bit better here on this part of the court or? Ah, uh, I think it's not a secret, but um, for example, when I I see our game against Netherlands, um, we missed a lot of shots, for mm -hmm. example, and um, and we know that we need to um, to be better at this. Um, At this, because uh, on a tight game, those goals that we missed, we would pay it at the end. And I remember the, the final in 2020 in Denmark against Norway. I remember that our defense was very good, but in attack we, we didn't arrive to, uh, to save, so, okay, uh, to score. So we, we, have, we had good goalkeeper. We played against also strong goalkeeper who made the difference. But um, yes, we need to... Let's just level up, I think, at this, uh, at this um, point. But I'm not uh, worried because um, if we go till the end, we still have uh, five games, I think. So we can, uh, we can do better. But I, I feel that we are, we are strong. Mm -hmm. There is a good uh, energy in our team. Uh, we are stable, I think. Yeah. yeah. A big question of people coming into the tournament was about the goal, goalkeeper position. Mm. And people maybe thought oh, maybe there was a slight weakness there. But how Cleopatra Darlow was playing so far, mm. she's playing an incredible tournament. It seemed like to me that she gives the defence a huge amount of confidence. And even though the, de the game against the Netherlands was very close, there was almost this kind of calmness about mm. how you were. Yeah. Even though there was pressure on, but you didn't, you didn't wilt under that pressure. And I think she in the defence, or the back of the defence, yeah. gives you a lot of security. Is that, does that have a feel for you as well? Yeah, yeah definitely. Calmness, I think it, it was the word. Mm. Um, against the Netherlands because we, we had some uh, critical, I think, moment where we could um, uh, we could have big doubts, but uh, we stay, I think, uh, stable, strong and uh, confident because um, we trust a lot in our goalkeepers and we know that uh, if we um, 
we are good in defense. Behind, it would be difficult to score goals against uh, Cleopat, for example, who is uh, just, um, yeah, she's crazy. <laughs> Honestly, she, um, <sighs> it's, 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 sometimes I feel like handball is so easy when you have this kind of goalkeepers. Yeah. But uh, I think in, uh, in France national team, uh, we used to have goal, uh, good goalkeepers. And uh, this also gives us, I think, um, yes, calmness, mm. because we trust in a lot. Uh, we want to protect them, but we know that uh, when, uh, when we need some air, they will make some saves who will um, give us uh, energy and we help us to, um, to, co to go to a fast break and, uh, and score. Yeah, because it felt like she had the wingers in her pocket, the Dutch wingers, at one point in the game. And I felt like that made such a huge difference. And there was one point also before the first half ended, I think she was making a few saves and then fought upon the line. I think she scored two quick goals. And it really felt like that was a turning point for yeah. me. And it was incredible to see that. Um, so if you were a school teacher and you had to give your team like a, a mark <laughs> of how you're doing so far, what would you give, give the squad? Why, um, it's difficult. How do you do marks in France? Is it ABC or is it one, two, three, four? Or uh, ABC. ABC. Okay. ABC. Or one, two, three. I don't know. ABC. <laughs> uh, honestly, um, it's very difficult. Yeah, you don't want to say A because then you know you know where to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but I think first thing for me it's about uh, unity mm. because. Um, in France, national team, we don't have a, we don't have superstar. We don't have this player who can just turn the game alone. Uh, every game for us, it changed. I think at um, each position, we have um, uh, a strong players. Okay, we have leaders in our team, but uh, we know that without the team, we cannot, uh, we cannot win. We cannot, uh, we cannot do. We cannot exist, mm -hmm. even exist without the team. And this is uh, very important and this is something that we should keep. Uh, so unity trust also. <laughs> and about handball things, I think... Um, ah, this is difficult. Basic things. Yeah. Because uh, for me, basic things works every time. And... Um, and sometimes I feel that uh, when we play, we want to play, yes, not crazy things because, okay, we, this is not circus. <laughs> but I think, uh, yes, when we, we have um, hard times, basic things, this can help us mm -hmm. to, uh, to score, can help us to, um, to defend, yes. This is what I would like to say. <laughs> okay, good. Thanks very much. Thank you. And best of luck for the rest of the tournament. Keep your finger crossed for all of us. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. What about you, Chris? What's next? You can pick one now. What do you want, Sweden or Montenegro? Let's go for Montenegro first. What Montenegro have to do? Beat Romania and Netherlands. <laughs> <laughs> As we spoke about a few days ago. But how, you may ask? Well, here's the key for me. They need to phone it in against the team we just spoke about, France. They need to not play that game. They only have eight players who have scored goals in this championship. <laughs> <laughs> and basically you're just focusing on those eight players in the, in the court, right? Um, they need to use the days they have of rest now. So they, they, they're not playing. Uh, they haven't played today. Um, and uh, they're waiting for France on Sunday. They need to rest a little more, and of course they'll they'll get the they'll get the first team out against France. See how they do. Give it a give it a shot. If it's not going well, rotate the bench and see if somebody shines. See if you know players nine to fourteen uh, can come out T uh, Rex Nair style and make a a claim to get some more game time for the rest of the championship. Um, because these eight players have played all played more than uh, than two hours so far in in this championship, which is uh, which is an awful lot. It's all going to come down 
to the game against the Netherlands. We'll we'll assume they'll be okay against Romania. They'll come out on top or they'll get a draw, which will be enough as well. It's all about the Netherlands and facing their old pal, Per Johansson, the former coach of Montenegro. He knows them well, but they also know him well. And there are very few coaches, I think, in handball where irritating a coach can have a direct impact on the rest of the team. And I think this is the case with Per Johansson. They... Um, they need. They know about his fiery temperament. They know what he likes, but they know what he doesn't like. And they know what he doesn't like to see in his own team. So they need to figure out what irritates him uh, and make that happen in the first half. Whether it's through shithousery or certain tactics, I'm sure they will They will figure it out. But it is, it is a little bit of a worry for me that they are only using eight players. And it's, uh, you know, the two wings, Radicevic and Pavicevic, who are playing the whole time. Then they have four backcourt players and two line players. Uh, that is really not sustainable. Uh, so hopefully they'll have a chance to, to regroup now in these days, uh, phone it in against France, and then focus on uh, on Netherlands. They'll get through that, and then it's in the, the handball god's hands what happens <laughs> in the final weekend. Uh, how will they get gold? Shithousery. That's how they'll get gold. <laughs> I like that. I, I like that. I like that as a plan. Uh, I, that's what I. That would be my plan. <laughs> but are you? Would you be scared that uh, you know you lose momentum? You know, momentum is a big thing in handball, and right now Montenegro's momentum is at an all-time high, coming out of Podgorica there, and uh, it could kind of set them back down to earth. They do have momentum, but they're also a team that are able to pull out like. I, I think they, they reset the zero every single time. I It doesn't matter when I've seen Montenegro play, whether it's a 7th, place playoff, whether it's the a qualifier, whether it's a friendly match, they always, you know, when they have the right f- characters in there, they get fired up and they're able to, to make a game of it. If they're out of the running, they're still there. They would live on knocking another team's chances, uh, getting uh, destroying another team's chances of progressing. Uh, so they, they figure it out. I wouldn't be so worried about it. They're they're probably realizing they're not going to win all three games in the main round, and a loss to France would be acceptable. So, of course, none of those players will want to come off against France, which is kind of the flip problem. Like Jovanka Radicevic is not going to want to rest for one second. Uh, Rajcevic and Jelkovic are not going to want to rest, particularly Jardine Jelkovic playing against a bunch of players she plays against in the French league all the time. That's going to be a bigger issue, almost making them rest if things aren't going well in that France game. If there's if there's someone for that job, it is Bojana Popovic. I think she she has the full respect of those players. I think to get a gold medal, they all need to pull their sleeves up like Bojana Popovic and intimidate mm. the teams they're playing in the semi-final and onwards. I think shithousery and also bring along a few thousand of those ultras as well from from Montenegro, and then we'll have a and then we'll have a good time here we'll in Scotland. All right, Alex. What's your next team then? I've uh, I've got Denmark, and uh, they're in a pretty good position. Uh, they're probably medal favourites going into the tournament, but they've they've had their ups and downs, extreme up ups and downs uh, throughout the tournament. So it's it's there's a lot of things that they can get better at, actually. <laughs> but I've I've pinpointed two. Uh, one is. Uh, they need to shoot from nine meters to to stand a chance of uh, progressing and getting a medal because they just haven't, the back players haven't been their main players. Their goals have come primarily from the wing and the line. So 59% of their goals have come from their wings and the line players. And as always, we talk about, you know, this Denmark team as a unit, so they don't really have that player to uh, step up and uh, dominate a game like we'd see, you know, Christian uh, Yagu uh, against North Macedonia. You know, there's no one who's going to do that, but they need to at least try at times, uh, especially when things get tight, uh, which they will. Um, and I'm I'm surprised that they're even getting the ball to the line so much. They they've the line players have done pretty well. Heindal and the Everson sisters have um, done pretty well. But uh, as as defenses get smarter, they can just stand back because Anna Meta Hansen hasn't jumped once in this competition, 
It feels like she hasn't jumped once in this competition, at least. <laughs> oh, she had one good highlight. She had one good highlight. There was one great goal she scored. But I think it was probably the only jump shot she took the whole the whole tournament. Yeah, she's fallen in love with a standing shot. It's, uh, she just loves a two-footed standing shot. And uh, yeah, with that, uh, kind of the bigger defenses will we'll kind of know what's going on. They haven't been bad shooting from uh, nine meters overall. So... Uh, they're 16 from 32 shooting from 9 meters. I don't fully trust those stats. I think a couple of them you would count as breakthroughs and, and standing shots. Mm. In, in proper jump shots, I, I don't think they, they have been up to scratch. Metatranborg is only 2 from 6. Like, how is Metatranborg, who is the tallest player on the pitch, only t- taken 2 uh, shots from 9 meters uh, a game? That should be right up there. Their best player shooting from nine meters has actually been Luisa Borgar. Uh, she's got four from eight. And we saw that in the game against Hungary, that when things got tight, it was her who actually just put in a rocket from nine meters. And this is like, yes, you have to do that. And you, you'll have those moments where you need to do that. But it, at times, it just fe- feels like they're refusing to take those big jump shots to really open up the defenses. And that leads to these tight games that, that we've seen. So that's, that's one thing they definitely need, need to do better and can do. Uh, I think they have a lot of star power in that backcourt. Someone just needs to realize that they're a star. Do you think that's the problem that comes with having your goalkeeper as your big leader and your big voice in the team? That sometimes maybe the backcourt players take a second, take the back seat in, in that regard. Yeah, I, maybe... Sandra Toft I'm talking about, obviously. Yeah, but maybe it is that kind of, oh, I don't need to be the player because I've got Sandra behind me. That that thought in the back of their heads sometimes. It might not be uh, how they're approaching it, but uh, when tough times come, they're they're like, okay, we've got you know the best goalkeeper in the world, the best player in the world behind us. She, she'll pull us out, maybe. Uh, but I think it's also mm-hmm. yeah. a big part of Jesper Jensen's system, this kind of all-for-one and one-for-all uh total handball transition play all of that but i i still think in the tighter rounds for them to get a medal they're going to need to start scoring uh, nine meter shots because that opens up the defense yeah. as well just easier goals you know total handball is a really interesting kind of word for that because there are in in the old uh the old way we used to say about arsenal they're trying to walk the ball in <laughs> yeah if they're not in, if they're not if they're not on if they're not in counter attacks they do try to like to do it perfectly they they're they're playing and playing and playing and then sometimes you just need Tramborg or Hansen or Jorgensen or or uh Burgard to just smack one in hmm. uh, also um Mia Hoyland can also shoot from the backcourt i mean the opening game against Slovenia she was the only one who popped up with a couple of long range shots so uh, very, very good. But good news for Denmark, I have to say, after coming through their tough game last night, I saw Anna Meta Hansen after doing an interview with Danish TV head down to the dressing room with a crate of beers. So I think they're they may be going to loosen up a little bit. They've got a few days off now. Uh, maybe this is exactly what they needed to get through as a team. And uh, yeah, they're looking in the long term. A team with a crate of beers at the Euro, I'm fully behind. They, they've they've got the right idea. And now I have a, I have a wild wild uh, choice for how they're going to win a gold medal you can go two ways with this but i've, I've chosen to okay. go one way and they need to get their seven on six working to win a gold medal so mm-hmm. that you know their play they're they're just about good good enough right now to be up there but they need something extra and if it's not like a single player stepping up it's the seven on six tactic that denmark have been practicing for a long time that you know they've been building this seven on six for a long time and they've had a lot of success with it but also a bit of failure uh, against Slovenia it was their big downfall um the seven six and the, the player up it, it people are starting to realize what they're going to do it was more the six on five though yeah. I think wasn't it it was more the six on five you know the opposition has two minutes suspension I don't think they've really unleashed seven v six yet Maybe they're holding on to it. Yeah, it, but they, they've tried it. They've tried it a couple of against Hungary. They tried it. It didn't, didn't quite work. It, was, it, it worked a little bit. But if they can get that going, um, that's their 
if in the tight games, they're always going to be in the tight game coming up to the end of the tournament. At 40 minutes, it's going to be tight. And maybe they fall a little bit behind against a team like Norway or France, who, who just have that extra power, I think. Uh, I think they just have that speed and can turn around three, four goals very quickly. And in that moment, if the seven on six really works, that, that can get them back, get them the win, and get them to the top. Or they just abandoned it completely. So there are two options. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think they'll abandon it. I mean, I think uh, Christine Jorgensen needs a game to fill up some confidence. And then maybe they'll... They need to give her some confidence. And then if she has that, the 7v6, I think, could work pretty well. Because she is crucial in that. And she hasn't really hasn't really settled into this championship yet. So I'll be interested to see, yeah, in, in, in the main round first against Norway, um, how... They change things up, and if they get a, a a fall back there, if they end up playing France in the semi final, who France have their five one against defense against the seven and six, what happens there? That's that's one thing I'm really looking out for. Very good. All right, Chris. Now we're on to Sweden, if I'm not mistaken. What Sweden need to do? Integrate Nina Kopang, I think, is one of the the key things. They they need a left hander in that backcourt. Uh, Emma Lindqvist has done well, but but sometimes you you do need that proper width. I mean, there's very few teams that have managed to pull it off playing three right handers across the backcourt for a whole championship. Uh, Nina Kopang is only 20 years old, but very very talented, and need, she needs some time to to get into it. Hopefully, she will uh, will during the main round. Uh, another 20 year old. Tira Axner, I'm not going to say they need to unleash her all the time. They need to unleash her at the right times uh, to give something else to that backcourt. I think they, when Sweden have worked really well, it's been with a lot of speed and, and breaking teams down. And uh, they've done that well, but when it didn't work, that's when uh, you need to have a different look and someone like Tira Axner there uh, to throw in. She must be full of confidence at the moment. She just needs to keep that going. Um and pretty much everything, I think, for them is based on on fixing things, small things in the attack. I think in, in defense, things are working pretty well for them. Uh, I think they need to create a bit more for the, the line players as well. It's something that, you know, over the last couple of years, they've been known for having, like, recently considered, like, maybe the world's best line player duo in attack with uh, Lynn Blom and Anna Lagerqvist. They're amazing in defense together. And they just need to be given a few more chances. Like looking at the stats here, Lynn Blum has had nine goals from 14 shots. Anna Logikvist has barely been used. She's zero from two for the whole championship so far. Uh, just creating a bit more for them because teams, I think, are starting to to react to the backcourt being this different beast. And before, maybe they were, they were given a bit more space because the line players were so dangerous. Now it's flipping the other way around and there's a bit more of emphasis on the backcourt, which in turn should create opportunities for the line players. And I think they need to do that as well because there's a bit too much pressure on the, the wing players. They need to play the ball into the line a little more. The The wing is the, the last outlet for them or maybe the first outlet for them. And uh, there where you have just Aylin Hansen and Natalie Hogman in there, then you're, as you're only two wingers, really, that's uh, it's a big ask for them to have to deliver every single day for the whole championship. It can work if they're being used three, four, five times in a game. But when they're shooting 20 times between them every match, then it's bound, it's bound to fail at some point. It failed against Denmark and it's bound to fail again. So maybe just a bit more... Uh, variety. I mean, we, we've seen them at their very best with the speed in the backcourt, uh, and now they need to be a bit, maybe a bit smarter about how they distribute the ball and how they distribute the players. I think the right-back question is uh, it, it's it's huge for Sweden, because that was the issue in the first half against Denmark. They were terrible mm. um, with uh, the, the right-handed right-back in, in play. It just didn't work, and maybe that was hidden by uh, TRX there in the in the second half where they they just didn't even need yeah. they didn't need anyone else <laughs> they didn't really. play the ball out there <laughs> they just left everything yeah. and yeah I, I think that's that's the huge question uh, from my side and I think I I don't think they have a solution for that so I really um, oh I, I still said that they're going to beat Norway but <laughs> but it won't be enough for gold <laughs> but it won't be enough kid. for gold <laughs> they can they beat Norway be once but well, they won't beat them twice. <laughs> 
Like in comparison to Denmark, in comparison to the other, let's say outside of Norway and, and France, uh, that group of teams, I don't think there's that much they need to change on the on a large scale. They just need to find the right balances in there. And yeah, Nina Kopang, I think they weren't expecting to have to use her as much as they they will. Uh, but if there's no reason why another twenty year old right back uh, can't do the job, she's very very talented. Uh, also, the half sister of uh, Stina Blackstenius. Do you know that the Arsenal and Sweden uh, striker in women's football? Yeah, they're half sisters. So there's uh, you know there's fin- good finishing in the blood there <laughs> for Nina Kopang. She's going to have to play a big part, and hopefully, for their sake, she will. It's really exciting in the main round. Uh, I think the teams we covered in depth all have real high uh, potential for a final place. You know, they're all at a really high level. We could end up with the same two teams in the final. I think this time around, I just see more and more challenges stacking up. So I'm really excited to see it. Let's get into the main round. Let's challenge Norway. Uh, see see what they have that's what i'm really <laughs> excited i want norway to just get challenged uh so l- let's see yes. how that goes and uh we'll be back for more podcasts as those games progress and i'll be in ljubljana with you chris Woo! yes by the time this is out you'll be on a plane to ljubljana and then we'll be live on twitch on saturday and sunday so uh if you're missing us even despite our daily or bi-daily podcasts uh, join us on the home of fanball twitch on saturday and sunday goodbye